the Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Where the dawn of the east meets the twilight of the west and the cool of the north touches the calm of the south and the transcendent power of God touches earth in the humility of Christ, here and now where the head of the Charles reaches out to the heart of the country, we gather for ordered worship. The liturgy, music, and homily are offered this day for our congregation here in Marsh Chapel, for our radio congregation across New England at WBUR 90.9 FM, and for our internet listenership around the globe at WBUR.org. We welcome your prayerful and material support, your written and emailed responses, your self-selection of leadership and service in our midst, and as the Spirit moves, come Sunday, your presence with us here in worship. This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. On this Parents' Weekend Sunday, we welcome you to ordered worship in Marsh Chapel. As we are able, may we rise in the praise of God.
may we pray. Almighty and everlasting God, in Christ you have revealed your glory among the nations. Preserve the works of your mercy that your church throughout the world may persevere with steadfast faith in the confession of your name. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. Beloved, come Parents Weekend on campus, there is a pause. For some, there is a chance to see family and friends. For some, this is an annual celebration of boating on the River Charles just behind us. For some, the advent of midterms has quickened the flesh and stirred the mind. For some, though, this is a moment of broader, deeper recognition. The torch is being passed to a new generation. One generation rises and another sets. One stands and another sits. As the spirit and music of our choir's concert on Friday night intoned, life is a brief sojourn along the river bank of eternity. In silence, in confession, as the choir sings our traditional Kyrie, may we bow in prayer. God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come, our shelter from the stormy blast, and our eternal home. Grant us thy peace. Grant us thy peace. Grant us thy peace, we pray. Beloved, hear the good news. If we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God.
A lesson from the book of Exodus, chapter 33, verses 12 through 23. Moses said to the Lord, See, you have said to me, Bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now if I have found favor in your sight, show me your ways, so that I may know you and find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. He said, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And he said to him, If your presence will not go, do not carry us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people, unless you go with us? In this way we shall be distinct, I and your people, from every people on the face of the earth. The Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing that you have asked, for you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. Moses said, Show me your glory, I pray. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and will proclaim before you the name, the Lord, and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But, he said, you cannot see my face, for no one shall see me and live. And the Lord continued, See, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock, and while my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. The word of the Lord.
Please join me in reading verses from Psalm 99 with the Antiphon. king let the peoples tremble he sits enthroned upon the cherubim let the earth quake the lord is great in zion he is exalted over all the peoples let them praise your great and awesome name holy is the lord mighty king lover of justice you have established equity you have executed justice and righteousness in jacob Extol the Lord our God. Worship at his footstool. Holy is the Lord. Moses and Aaron were among his priests. Samuel was also among these who called on his name. They cried to the Lord, and he answered them. He spoke to them in the pillar of the cloud. They kept his decrees and the statutes that he gave them. O Lord our God, you answered them. You were a forgiving God to them, but an avenger of their wrongdoings. Extol the Lord our God, and worship at his holy mountain. Surely the Lord our God is holy. rise and stand as you are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of the Gospel.
Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Matthew, chapter 22, verses 15 through 22. Glory to you, O Lord. Then the Pharisees went and plotted to entrap him in what he said. So they sent their disciples to him, along with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are sincere and teach the way of God in accordance with truth and show deference to no one, for you do not regard people with partiality. Tell us then what you think. Is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? But Jesus was aware of their malice and said, why are you putting me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin used for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. Then he said to them, whose head is this and whose title? They answered, the emperor's. Then he said to them, give therefore to the emperor the things that are the emperor's and to God the things that are God's. When they heard this, they were amazed and they left him and went away. The gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, Lord Christ.
Please be seated. We are left to wonder in conscience about the things that are God's. What are they? We are not told. There is no live interview from the heavenly conference room. There is no point-by-point bulletin with details promised at 11 p.m. There is no footnote or explanatory second conversation. We are left on our own by our Lord to wonder in conscience about the things that are God's. And we are given a fair and good amount of freedom in doing so. In conscience, do you wonder about the things that are God's? Give to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. Give to God the things that are God's. And in the Gospel of Thomas, around 110 A.D., a bit yet later than Matthew in 85 A.D., who is a bit yet later than Mark in 70 AD, who is a good bit later than whatever Jesus might actually have said in 30 AD, the Lord is said to have added, and give to me the things that are mine. Give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, give to God what belongs to God, and give to me what is mine, the Gospel of Thomas. Matthew, true to form, intensifies the bitterness of Jesus toward Pharisees, of church toward synagogue, of Christian to Jew. He hikes up and trapped to entangle. He is aware of their malice. To the question, why put me to the test, he adds for good measure, you hypocrites. His Jesus demands not just coin, but all the money for the tax. Through the year from this marsh pulpit, we have tried continuously to trace the moves Matthew makes in or near the year 85 AD, away from what Mark, his source, had written in 70 AD. Mostly, we want to be crystal clear about the way the expression of the gospel changes with the setting, changes with the occasion, changes with time, season, and year. New occasions teach new duties. Time makes ancient good uncouth. One must upward still and onward who would keep abreast of truth. A standard reading of this passage is that the Herodians, supporters of Herod, who is the Simon Legree of Rome in the cotton fields of Palestine, would want the tax paid to Caesar, whereas the Pharisees, the French resistance of Palestine against the Third Reich of Rome, would want resistance to payment of the tax, and Jesus is caught. If he agrees with the Herodians, the people will kill him. If he agrees with the Pharisees, the Romans will kill him. And yet, he finds a way where there is apparently no way, a way toward the things of God. Two things fill the mind with ever-increasing wonder and awe, wrote Immanuel Kant, the starry heavens above and the moral law within. And these words he had inscribed on his tombstone. We are left to wonder in conscience about the things that are God's. What are they? Are they wonder and conscience? the starry heavens above and the moral law within, wonder and conscience, spirit and soul. Wonder. Without wonder, your God is too large. Wonder at the small things, for they are the things of God, as in the details from Exodus 33 read earlier, the presence, the Shekinah, the divine presence. Wonder marvels that small things make a big difference, a lesson relearned summer by summer. 
The summer, the boat motor idled well and even carried the pontoon boat forward, but at a snail's pace, all boats disappoint, just like all dogs bite. The summer on our lake is a series of boat breakdowns, and that day I wondered, old age finally taking the motor, carburetor, choke, throttle, I'm no mechanic. This usually means taking the boat out of the water and towing it 30 miles for repairs, but I took a chance, gave it a try. And the motor casing came off easily. In a few minutes, it was apparent even to a non-mechanic that a single connection throttled to gas line had slipped undone. And just as easily, without tools or skill, it was reconnected. And the motor purred. Small things, little things, can make a big difference. Our out cottage, a broken down old fishing camp, built probably on weekends by one guy with tools, a six pack, and a rod and a reel, has its own well, its own pump. On that well and pump depend cooking, eating, cleaning, washing, showers, and other forms of relief for our guests. It is outside, so subject to weather and other beings. The pump stopped one afternoon, and I'm no plumber, but I know a good one. We called him. You worry when your guest lacks water and you have no need to, no way to provide it. A new pump, line problems, dry well, what is wrong? But it was something very little. Ants had found their way into the electric box and broken the connection, and two minutes of expert attention, ants erased, problem solved. Small little things can make a big difference. The dock itself, new or at least partly brand new, the dock is our island into the lake, our portal into boating, our entrance into swimming, our bridge into fishing, our outpost of land and water. It's just a wonderful territory in itself. But in order to get from the hillside down onto the dock, a makeshift staircase is required. It is a fraction of the size of the dock, a farthing compared to the pound. It is a humble set of six stairs in wood reaching out onto the magisterial dock. Without the stairs, though, the dock is useless. All that weight, space, expanse, and expense of the four-piece dock lies permanently adrift from the mainland without the simple steps. Simple little things make a difference and open up the possibility of much greater things. Wonder remembers the little things with lasting consequences. Children begin to get hearts of wisdom in learning this. Children love as they grow riddles and jokes. What is the biggest pen pencil in the world? Pennsylvania. Your mother is so old, she waited table at the Last Supper. <laughs> Your mother's so old, she owes Moses a quarter. Children love riddles, jokes, little things. Back from the fishing camp in a warm water pump shower there, now out on the dock beneath the stars, stairs ready to board the boat for a motor-powered ride, our seven-year-old granddaughter caught something in her younger brother's rhetoric. Brother said, Eric said to me yesterday that he would try to take me tubing behind his boat today. I think we're going today. And sister said, I know that's what he said, but that's not what he meant. There is a short way from birdie to bogey, from what is said to what is meant. And it's a spiritual gift, a small, little, powerful spiritual gift 
to distinguish. I know that's what he said, but that's not what he meant. It is a gospel reminder for us. Little things can change the world. Just pause for a moment and remember when someone said something saving to you that intervened, helped. Sometimes the best medicine is whatever gives you the courage to take one more step forward. Small little things make a big difference. Wonder keeps us from making God too large. Conscience. Without conscience, our God is too small. Without wonder, your God is too large. Without conscience, your God is too small. Conscience is the beating heart of truth and justice. Conscience is the soul of soul. Let your conscience be your guide, for conscience is soul. Conscience is one of the things of God. Conscience conscience reminds us that the kingdom of heaven is not a state of mind, but a state of affairs. The kingdom of heaven is not a present state of mind, it is a coming state of affairs. And conscience recoils at the horror of injustice. Peterborough, New York is one of the poor small towns with rich histories that dot the upstate New York landscape. Like Seneca Falls, known for the birth of the women's movement. Like Palmyra, known for the birth of Mormonism. Like Oneida, known for the birth of a communitarian utopianism, which itself gave birth to the children of Sturpiculture there. Like New, New Lebanon, known for the birth of the Shaker community. Like Fort Stanwix, Ticonderoga, and Poughkeepsie, where the American Revolution was saved in thwarting British advance. Like Fulton. Which, with which Robert Fulton gave birth to the steamboat, like the long winding stretch of water forming the remains of the Erie Canal, Albany to Buffalo, the opening of the West to commerce, like Lake Placid of hockey and Olympic fame, the retreat home and burial place of the cloud splitter himself, John Brown, who in Kansas and at Harper's Ferry and from his gallows pulpit did ignite the Civil War to free the slaves like Orwell and Redfield, tiny northern towns, now home to Unity Acres, a ministry with the poor, and the places of origin for the Berrigan brothers, radical Catholic peace activists over the last 50 years, like Onondaga Lake, the center of the Iroquois Confederacy, Mohawk, Oneida, Onondaga, Cayuga, Seneca, and later Tuscarora, and the legend of Hiawatha, like the gloriously beautiful Finger Lakes known as the burned-over district of religious fervor following the Second Great Awakening. Like Corning, Rome, Oneida, Rochester, Syracuse, Buffalo, and Schenectady, known for the birth of industrial development in glass, firearms, silver, film, salt, steel, and electricity. Like Rochester, known for Frederick Douglass and his newspaper, The North Star. Like Syracuse, known for worldwide leadership in the creation and development of air conditioning. The Southern Methodist churches now growing. I say I chide my preacher friends there. Oh, a great debt to upstate New York, to Rochester and Syracuse for the two things that make current Southern growth possible at all, civil rights and air conditioning. Civil rights and air conditioning. Peterborough is one of those now poor, small towns with rich histories. Peterborough was founded by Garrett Smith, 
Smith was an ardent abolitionist with a trust fund. He spent his father's money to buy land southeast of Syracuse along the high ridge at the northern end of the Allegheny Plateau. He used the land to provide safe dwellings for freed slaves who came up from the south in the dark, crossing various rivers, Delaware, Susquehanna, Genesee, with dogs barking and slavers chasing, and the occasional Harriet Tubman as guide, armed with a prayer and a pistol. The tracts he gave to these people of misfortune and found fortune are still farmed today, and in some few cases by the familial descendants of Garrett Smith's abolitionist largesse. He also built an almshouse, a kind of hospital for the poor, in Eaton, New York, nearby, which as an eight-year-old I remember entering as my father made a pastoral call on a dying man there. It has long since closed. The Methodist Church in Peterborough, or the remains thereof, includes people of color who are of the lineage of Garrett Smith's abolitionist generosity. There one finds a rare, more colorful hue in the pew than one finds in other upstate churches. That is, there is much good, much of good conscience in the length and breadth, the history and legacy of upstate New York. That is, there is much good in the very village, the little town of Peterborough, a poor hamlet with a rich history. Yet this summer, on July 8th, 7 p.m., a tornado took the lives of four people in and near Peterborough, New York. A four-month-old little girl and her 35-year-old mother died when their mobile home was crushed in the wind. The local paper carried photographs of them both, two beautiful pictures on the front page. Two others died, an elderly woman and also the male partner of a female oncologist in the region. Tornadoes are rare in New York, fewer than 10 a year, almost all minor and inconsequential. And tornadoes are unknown, or had been, in this part of upstate, the upstate region, as Governor Cuomo said in his remarks about the tragedy and the new normal in radical weather events. Why do such things happen? Why do such things happen? Conscience recoils at the violence and accident in nature and history. During that very tornado week and fortnight, other kinds of cyclones hit too. A fine young woman gave birth to a baby daughter with a hole in her heart. A salt-of-the-earth carpenter, a laboring gentleman, had to clean off the car door against which his older brother had shot himself after years of financial difficulty and depression. A 60-year-old saintly woman who had given her life to preschool children and the Methodist Church in equal measure was told she would need chemotherapy for the rest of her life. A father of four, a recovering alcoholic, grandfather of nine, community leader and faithful soul, discovered he had esophageal cancer. And we do not mention in detail global rates of infant mortality, especially in the first month of life, statistics that have not improved at all in our time. We do not mention in detail 180,000 civilian dead in Syria, surpassing the numbers slain in Iraq. We do not mention the hundreds of death in, deaths in Gaza in the mini-war of that same fortnight. Just to say that during that tornado week, scores of other cyclones, microbursts, 
wind blasts of various types and size did touch ground in the heart of human lives. Why? Why do such things happen? We do not know why such things happen, but we know in our experience of random hurt, the biblical truth in Jesus' teaching that rain falls on the just and the unjust alike, we know in our experience of horrible, unspeakable tragedy, the biblical reference to the Tower of Siloam that fell killing dozens who were no better nor worse than those spared. We know in our experience the falsehood of Job's friends and counselors who in mistake and error tried to explain to Job his misery which they had not themselves suffered. We know in our experience of sin and death and the threat of meaninglessness the gut cry of Jesus in debate, none is good but God, and in the garden, let this cup pass from me, and, and on the cross, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And in our experience, we confess, we find it far easier to discount in size, scope, measure, and meaning the pain of others than we do to discount our own. How often I have thought and heard an argument, things in this world would be so different if men bore children and knew the pain of childbirth. We do not know why these things happen, and we are prone to discount others' lacerations by comparison with our own. How many of you this morning wish you had a Syrian passport, Iraqi citizenship, or a Ukrainian bank account? Conscience, one of the things of God, keeps us from making God too small. That week, that July 8th at 7 p.m., my wife Jan drove home, heading to our summer house, coming within seven miles of Peterborough at the tornado, tornado hour. She said she had never seen a darker sky. And if she had not gotten home, that is, if our family were now living with the tornado tragedy and loss inflicted on others, on one hand, I would be of great gratitude at a minimum on a Sunday morning to find myself surrounded, as this morning, by a company of women and men, honest about hurt, graceful in grief, dignified in the hour of death, and loving in the face of meaningless, inexplicable, unintelligible laceration. But on the other hand, I know I would harbor for the long stretch of healing it would take a white-hot anger at the injustice of such a loss. We are left to wonder in conscience about the things that are God's. What are they? Are they wonder and conscience? The starry heavens above and the moral law within? Wonder and conscience, spirit and soul? Jesus says, give to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, to God the things that are God's. Thomas adds, to me the things that are mine. And we add this morning, to life give a spirit of wonder and conscience. Wonder. 
and conscience. That is, you can believe in God, you can believe in the creative divine power that unleashed the universe, you can believe that no one has ever seen God, you can believe in the potential for a purposeful existence by faith, the faithfulness of God in Christ, in my case, and many of ours. You can believe that even the darkest moment and the harshest experience is held, included, embraced, and redeemed in love and by love as a mystery and as a hope. You can believe in God. You can believe in freedom. But in so doing, you do not need to believe that God has a plan for every single life free of human freedom, nor that God has a map quest route for your life, nor that God sends tornadoes to chew up poor towns with rich histories, nor that God brutally executes young mothers and little children living in mobile homes, nor that everything has a purpose, that everything is beautiful in its own way, that we will understand it by and by, or that all experience is directly, divinely, precisely ordered. But you can believe in freedom. You can believe in love. The gospel is the gospel of freedom, grace, love, pardon, forgiveness, acceptance, healing, and hope. I know that all of us are better when we are loved. The statement, God is love, is more about the second hymn we sang this morning than the first. The statement, God is love, is more about the second than the first person of the Trinity. And for those looking today for a more formally exact or exacting theological position, good. Come along next Sunday and come <laughs> along with us in the weeks to come. Do you believe in God? Do you believe in freedom? Do you believe in love? Are you leading the kind of life you most want, need, and deserve? Will you join others and me day by day, seeking the things that are God's? Amen. We now enter into a time in our service for prayer. Each Sunday we join together as a community, a congregation, a family of prayer. Please adopt the position of prayer that is most comfortable to you, standing, sitting, or coming up to the kneeling altar rail as the choir leads us in our call to prayer.
loving God of wonder, we enter into prayer this morning with hearts full of gratitude and spirit. We thank you for new life, new hope, and a renewed sense of self as we grow in relationship with you. May those who feel lost and alone find your spirit within them to bring courage and light to their lives. We thank you for the crisp change of seasons that reminds us to evolve, adapt, and always act in compassion. May those who find themselves cold and stiff-hearted this autumn find the warmth of your love through acts of kindness in our world. We thank you for our friends and family who continually offer us steadfast love and support. May those who grieve, mourn, and suffer find your peace and caring relationships that offer them rest. We thank you for our world, the interesting people we meet, the peace we find in a forest, and the joy a child's smile can bring. May our world leaders invoke your spirit and strive towards peace, love, and justice always. Gentle God, you have sat with us, sang with us, listened with us, and prayed with us this morning. May we feel your presence in every moment of our lives. You are both mother and father to us, strength and shield. Let us pray as your son Jesus has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever, amen. peace of the Lord be always with you. We greet you once again here in the nave of Marsh Chapel and invite you to participate in our ritual of friendship by putting your name and contact information in the red books found along the center aisle of each pew, passing that book along to your neighbor so that we can get to know you better and help you get to know one another better throughout the coming week. 
We note that following the service today, we have our annual Parents' Weekend Luncheon next door in the lower level of the School of Theology. Please do come over and share a meal with us. We note also that the, uh, we encourage our Marsh Chapel congregation to prayerfully consider uh, ways of supporting and participating in our International Student Homestay Program over the Thanksgiving holiday. More information about the Homestay Program is available following the service from the Reverend Brittany Longstorff, our Chaplain for International Students, and Miss Sarah Miller in the narthex at the table in the back. We invite all in our chapel community to consider the ways that you can participate and support our chapel community, our ministry of music, ministry, and hospitality as we continue to grow in voice, vocation, and volume. For those present with us, we encourage one way of, of participating is in financial contribution. We encourage you as the ushers wait upon us to give as generously as possible. For those listening live over the radio or the internet, you may visit bu.edu slash chapel where we have the opportunity for online giving. We invite your meditation on John Ireland's setting, Greater Love Hath No Man uh, by Dr. Jarrett and the choir as the ushers wait upon us. Now walk in love as Christ loves us, an offering and sacrifice to God.
Patient and loving God, as we give our gifts to you, we realize that your ears must grow weary from the constant prayers that petition you, not just for our needs, but for our insatiable wants. Lead us to that place where our prayers and our giving are not focused on ourselves, but more on how we can make your love real to others. Use our gifts, use our prayers as a force for compassion and peace in our hurting world. In your name we pray, amen. you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace now and always. Amen. Amen.